rio dos vales cresce em beleza please stand by we'll be streaming live soon rosa de Please stand by. All right, good to be with you. Jonathan Dunn here at Rick Bonfin Ministries. Thanks for tuning in to Ladder Rain TV. Thank you for those watching or listening on the podcast. Uh, we're grateful for you continually to, to bless us with your attendance and with your encouraging emails and phone calls telling us that you're listening. And it's just a joy to be a part of delivering the Word of God to, to you today uh, through our dear friend David Nutter. David Nutter, he lives in Atlanta, and uh, he is a mediation attorney, and uh, so he is in the uh, Ministry of Reconciliation, <laughs> but in more ways than just the law as it pertains to the United States of America. Uh, David, he is in the Ministry of Reconciliation. I could say that with all my heart, that he is one that is constantly watching for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, pray for somebody, and... Uh, and he's written several books, good books. You can, he gives them away. Uh, if you, I, I encourage you to ask for him. Give us your address. Send us an email. Let us know you want his books. He's got one on speaking in tongues, and he's got one on what we call the issue of our times. He's got one that's a very encouraging, uh, one that based around Christmas uh, and just the miracle that that miracles that God has performed. That's too much of an introduction. I could go on on go on and on about David Nutter who is just a blessing to us here at Rick Bonfin Ministries. A part of our board has uh, Susan and his wife and, and uh, six children. Is that right, David? Five. Five, five kids that are all doing well. And uh, so David's going to bring the Word of God to you this morning. And, and I want to encourage you just to open your heart to what he has to say because this is a man who humbly just does receive from the Lord and he receives humbly. It's just, you know, and it's a blessing to hear from him. So, David, go ahead and take it away, brother. John, thank you so much. And that is too much of an introduction, <laughs> praise God. But thank you so much, and good morning to everybody. It's uh, my privilege to be able to share a little bit this morning. And uh, my prayer is that this would minister to everyone who, who comes on, that we would all be ministered to together by the Word of God. Uh, he's speaking. God is speaking in these days and we all want to hear from him. We all want to fulfill our calling and our purpose. He has a purpose and a calling for each one of us. And in these days, we want to fulfill it. It's such a blessing to be part of the family of God and to be part of the Rick Bonfim ministry family. Uh, it's just a blessing. And Susan, I've been so blessed by Pastor Rick and Betty and John and Matt and the whole team. I'm leaving folks out, but it's, uh, and just all the folks who have participated in Rick Bonfin Ministries over the years. And so I say good morning to those who are on. Let me pray for just a moment. Uh, Father in heaven, you know every single need. You know every single heart need of each one of us. You've created us. We're the sheep of your hand. Uh, we've been called into being so that we can bring you glory. That's our heart's desire. Father, would you speak to us in the name of Jesus by this word this morning? With your Holy Spirit, I pray, quicken us, give us life, give us understanding, open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart. Holy Spirit, we ask you to minister to us now the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, God is always working. It says in John 5, Jesus said, and in the last times we're told, the prophet Joel said, that he's going to be speaking and prophesying through every single person. Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Why? Uh, it, it's If you can get the revelation of this, he wants us all participating in his creative activity. God is always creative. Eternity so exciting is God's always creating new things. He's always working and making things new. And so he's been doing that from the very beginning in the Old Testament. It, it always grieves my heart a little bit when I hear of a ministry that discounts the importance of the Old Covenant because God had the New Covenant in mind before the world was even made. And so he had the New Covenant in mind when he the whole Old Covenant was being lived out. And so uh, I want to help you see that this morning in Joshua chapter 2. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 2 and some selected passages from Romans chapter 2 because there's a great parallel between Joshua and Romans. As you read through both of those books, you can see some interesting comparisons. And so this morning, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. And if I were to give this message a title... It would be taking hold of the scarlet cord. I was reading uh, Joshua 2 here recently, and the Lord has put this question on my heart to ask people, have you taken hold of the scarlet cord? Glory. Let's read together some of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 in the Old Covenant, at uh, beginning at verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. You know, you are allowed to learn from experience in the Christian life. Uh, Joshua had, because Moses sent out 12 spies, and they came up back with a bad report, except for Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit, glory, And so he learned from that, and he didn't send out 12 guys. He sent out two guys that he trusted. Can't you hear it? So we can learn from our mistakes, can't we? And uh, I want you to see that Joshua is proceeding prophetically here. Pastor Rick has been talking a lot in recent weeks and months about living the prophetic life. Uh, It's what God wants us to do. It is the antidote to depression boredom, and everything else. God doesn't want you depressed. He doesn't want you bored. He wants you living prophetically, letting him create through you. So Joshua obviously got the revelation, Jericho, Jericho, Joshua, it's in Jericho. You need to look at that. So he sent these two fellows, these two men out to spy out particularly Jericho. And they went into the house of all places, a harlot named Rahab. God can use anybody. Glory. And he wants us to be open to what he's doing. It doesn't matter what the person's past is. It has to do with what God's future is in store for them. So look for the new creation in each person. Verse 2. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, For they have come to search out all the land. But the woman, verse 4, Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them and said, Yes, 
The men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. This is a confirmation to these two men that Joshua was on the right track because here God had revealed to this woman, this prostitute, what was getting ready to happen. And what was getting ready to happen was the destruction of Jericho. Folks, God never changes. And so it's very important to get a hold of God is the one who destroyed Jericho and he's never changed. And uh, this is what we're being saved from. Jericho, God works in word pictures. So this was a real event that happened in Old Testament times. There really was a person named Rahab. There really was a city named Jericho. You can go to the ruins and the excavations today. And it really was destroyed the way God destroyed it, as it's recorded here later in Joshua chapter 6. And we all know the story about how the Israelites marched around the uh, city for seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around, I think, seven times, blew the trumpet and shouted, and the walls came down. All except the wall, part of the wall where Rahab lived. Can't you see it? That is a miracle of the living God. And it's a picture of the day of judgment for all mankind. If we will not come under God's shelter, it's God who decides how to shelter us. He decided from the foundation of the world how he was going to shelter mankind from his judgment. So he is a God of judgment, but he's also a God of mercy. And mercy and judgment met at the cross of Jesus Christ. And mercy triumphed over judgment for all who will believe it, for all who will receive it. It all comes to the place of seeing your need. Well, here's this lady. She's heard the report. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. She's a believer, not a doubter. She believes in the miracle working power of God. She's not claiming that it was low tide like I've been taught by some Bible teachers over the year. If it was low tide, then it was a miracle that the Egyptians drowned in two inches of water. Can you hear me? No, God is God and he created everything. And if he created the oceans, it's easy for him to separate the waters of the Red Sea or any other sea for that matter. Praise God. He's a God of miracle. He's supernatural and he wants to work that through you and me in these days. That's what he promised in Joel chapter 2, that we would prophesy and the power of the Holy Spirit would move for each through each one of us. That's what he's doing. So they heard, she had heard about the waters of the Red Sea being dried up by God, and she believed it. And she continues, before 
uh, the waters were dried up before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. That's recorded in the book of Numbers. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Folks, that is a profession of faith. It's the same profession Nebuchadnezzar later made. It's the same profession every single person who will be saved must make at some point. And it's God who opens our hearts. It's God who reveals this to us. But then faith is an act. You must speak. You must believe. And you must obey. That's the difference. She believed it. She spoke it. And she acted on it. Rahab did. It didn't matter what her past was. What mattered was her future in God. So she believed in the Lord God who created heaven and earth beneath. She believed that it was God who parted the Red Sea. It was, uh, she believed it was God who brought them victory against Sihon and Og. And she believed that judgment was going to fall on her city. And she wanted to be part of the grace of the living God. Just like these Israelites who have been brought out of Egypt. And we're told that people came out of Egypt with the Israelites, strangers. Um, and so, uh, yes, the Bible is a pro-immigration policy for anybody that will come out and be part of God's kingdom. Absolutely. But if you're going to be an enemy of God, we can see what's going to happen uh, to the people in Jericho. So now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I've dealt kindly with you, verse 12, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. She's not only concerned about herself, she's concerned about her family, her parents, her siblings, the whole extended family. She wants them all to be spared. This is household salvation. It's the salvation that occurred in Noah's family. It's the salvation that occurred in Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10, where he, his family, his relatives, and his near neighbors and friends, they all were saved. They all were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10, because Cornelius, a man who loved God and therefore also loved his neighbor. Amen. It's the same household salvation that is recorded twice in Acts chapter 16. The Philippian jailer and his whole household were saved and baptized. Uh, Lydia and her whole family, her whole household were saved and baptized. Glory to God in the highest. There's somebody listening to this message that's concerned about a parent or about a child or about a grand grandchild. Claim household salvation for yourself. It is one of the most powerful prayers that you can make as the, uh, particularly if you're the senior member of your house, uh, you can stand on household salvation. I was the senior believer in my family and I claim my dad's salvation. And, uh, in that Christmas book John shared, I told the amazing, miraculous story of the salvation of my dad four days before he died at the age of 95. Never give up on the power of God. Claim household salvation for yourself. We who've been to Cuba have seen it. 
we've seen it with Pastor Rick and John Dunn. We saw approximately 400 people, mothers, fathers, children, grandparents, all baptized in the Atlantic Ocean one day. It was glorious. Whole families coming into the kingdom of Christ. Praise God. Trust household salvation. Remind God of it. Remind him of Rahab when you pray for your own family members. Remind him of Cornelius' house and uh, Lydia and the Philippian jailer when you pray for your families. God is faithful to his word. Somebody say amen. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. This is a prophecy. This is a statement of faith. They don't know exactly, as far as we're told, exactly how God's going to deal with Jericho. They didn't know at this point about marching around the city for seven days. They didn't know about the walls coming tumbling down. Uh, They just knew that they were to uh, bring salvation to this family if she would obey. But she's got to do something. Can't you see it? Jesus said to the man in John chapter 9, go wash in the pool of Siloam and you will see. You'll receive your sight. What if he said, well, you know, God can heal my blindness if he wants to and just left the mud on his eyes and sat there. Man, he would still be blind to this day if he were alive. Don't you see? You have to. God gives us faith actions. We're not earning anything by going to wash in the pool of Siloam. We're saying, I believe in God's wired us and knows that we have to take action to put the faith in our hearts. We gotta, he wants us to be part of what we're doing. And so, uh, here Rahab is given something specific to do. First, she uh, must not tell this business. Don't get hung up on, well, Rahab lied. Well, you know, Rahab is someone who's just coming to faith and you can get different opinions about that because there's a conflict of uh, mercies here. If she told the truth, she would be delivering these guys over to death and uh, resulting in their murders. And uh, it would be contrary to God's will. But I also know stories where people have told truth in this kind of situation and were nevertheless delivered. It's a matter of the intention of the heart and not just the outward action. She is someone who's just coming to faith, someone who had been in the faith longer, might have done something different, and God would have gotten the same result. So don't let that hang you up. Uh, don't also use an excuse to lie all the time. We're supposed to be truth tellers. Uh, praise the Lord. Verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. God, guys, that's, folks, that's the providence of God that she was right in the right place. And I pray for you, for me, my family. I want to be living in the land of Goshen. The only place to be is to be where God wants you to be. Amen. Uh, Whether it's on the city wall or wherever else. And so always be asking God, I want to be in your geographic will, doing what you want me doing uh, on time and on target. And he will bring it to pass. Uh, Ask him. I'm encouraging people. I'm seeing a great increase in meaningful visions and dreams because I've been praying for them. Uh, I received a dream just last night that related specifically to three other dreams Susan and I have had that is a specific answer to a significant question in my work 
these days. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of disruption in the marketplace, and we've gotten a specific answer. Hallelujah. Uh, well, he'll do that for you, too, if you ask. Amen. So ask when you go to bed. Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me in visions and dreams. You promised that that's a central part of the new covenant promised through Joel. So I want meaningful visions and dreams that I'll understand and remember. And then when he gives it to you, when God speaks, write it down. Uh, put it in a journal so you can remember it. You'll be surprised how much you forget if you don't write it down. Verse 16. She said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days. Always a picture of uh, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ until the pursuers return. Then after your word, you may go on your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself into the house your father your mother your brothers and all your father's household the king james uh renders it a little differently i'm looking over at that behold when we come into the land thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread to in the window which thou didst let us down by in other words the same she let him down by a red rope guys and they're saying, you hang that red rope out the window, too, and you'll be delivered, okay? That red rope is the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you taken hold of the red rope, the scarlet cord? There's no other way. Judgment is coming. Jericho is a picture of the judgment that is coming. Every disaster that strikes the world is a picture of the eternal judgment coming. Jesus said when asked about the Tower of Siloam that fell and killed, I think, 13 people, something like that, he said, do you think they were worse sinners than everyone else? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, the disasters, the tragedy that happened are not necessarily a judgment of the person who's killed in the tragedy. A lot of wonderful believers get caught up in tragedies that happen, like the Trade Center tragedy. Rather, it's a picture of the coming judgment, and you want to be in the place of repentance so that while your body may die, you will live on eternity in God's goodness and glory in heaven. Somebody say amen. So the two Jewish men were let down by the scarlet cord. The gospel comes to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. That same cord, that red cord that saved these two Jewish men, the spies, also will save Rahab and her family. It is the cross of Christ. Verse 19, it shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. Guys, let's not wander out of the house. These are perilous days. Let's not wander out of the house and test God. Oh, let's get up every morning and come under the blood. We need his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. I need his mercy and forgiveness every morning. I pray that for my family, my friends, my neighbors, whoever comes on my heart. And so let's stay in that place of repentance and mercy and forgiveness. None of us is perfect, but we need to stay in the house. You don't need to wander away. That's a dangerous business. They needed to stay in the house because judgment was coming. 
But if you tell this business of ours, verse 20, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. So she had to put the scarlet cord out of the window, and then she had to be obey. He had to change her identity. Fundamental change. No longer was she a, a citizen of Jericho. She was a citizen of the kingdom of God. Okay? And we all have to do that. We have to leave our citizenships behind our racial identifications, our family identifications, say, I'm going with Christ. I'm his, and I'm going to be loyal to him first and foremost. And everything else must take second place to serving Jesus Christ. And if we will do that, amazing things will happen in our land. And what we're searching for, healing in our land, will come about as a byproduct. If we don't make it the main thing, God will bring it to pass. Amen. But we've got to make Christ's kingdom and his purposes first. And our first loyalty must be to Christ in the family of God, not even to our own earthly families. Hallelujah. And so, verse 21, she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window That's prophesying. What the men said was prophesying. Her putting the scarlet cord out the window is prophesying. I encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, show me the good works you prepared for me to walk in today so that I may prophesy by word and deed to, to help bring forth your kingdom that you're working. Verse 22, they departed and came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. And now the pursuers had sought them all along the road but had not found them. Then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they related to him all that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. That's prophesying. And we know if you go to Matthew 1, 5, that Rahab was brought into the family of God you see that later in Joshua 6, and she became uh, part of the ancestry of Jesus himself and of King David. Praise the Lord. There's no limit to what God can do through one faithful person through which he prophesied, and uh, she had the privilege of being in the Messiah's line. Praise God. Quickly, we're going to look at just a snippet from Romans 2 for just a second. Um And uh, two parts of it that I want you to see, we could spend a lot more time on Joshua 2 and Romans 1 and 2. I encourage you to read Romans kind of like you would do getting a massage or if uh, some of you know about uh, rolling your muscles. I know John Dunn does. You can put a lacrosse ball on the wall if your shoulders are bothering. Kind of roll that lacrosse ball on your shoulders. Uh, Lists of sin like you find in Romans 1 are good. You go through that and say, Lord, it's has any of this come in my heart? Have I been kidding myself? Uh, have I been unrighteous in word or deed? And you just kind of let the Lord speak to you. And if something comes up, praise God. We just bring it before the Father under the blood of Christ. And he forgives us, doesn't he? Because none of us are perfect. Uh, but we are, we do need to be repentant. So look at Romans 2 with me for just a minute. Romans 2, 1 through 7. Okay. Uh, therefore. You have no excuse. This is Romans 2, verse 1. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, 
you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. It's funny, the things that annoy us the most, uh, often you find you do them yourselves. It's a strange aspect of the fallen human nature. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. That's what happened in Jericho. Uh, everyone was destroyed except Rahab and her family. And miraculously, the wall where their house was stayed up. And uh, so God is a God of judgment. You must come under his mercy by the blood of the cross. I beg you, if you haven't done that, do it now. Don't wait another minute. Come under the mercy of the Lord and he will save you. Verse 3, but do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance? The kindness, the goodness, the King James says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. That's repentance is Rahab. Saw it revealed to her the goodness of God and the deliverance, and she wanted to be part of it. She wanted her family to be part of it. And Jericho again is a, a sign of the coming eternal judgment. Rahab, how about you? I want my family, my neighbors, my friends, I want everybody to be part of the family of God. And so you urge people, come into the house of God. Come into Cornelius's house. Come into Lydia's house. Come into the Philippian jailer's house. Come into the house of God and be saved. Come under the blood of Christ and receive the mercy of the Lord. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. God is good. He wants all people to be saved. Verse 5, but because of your stubbornness, that's the people in Jericho who didn't respond like uh, Rahab did. Because of your stubbornness, their pride, their unrepentant heart. You're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each person according to his deeds. To those who persevere in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious, ambitious and do not obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. There's something about coming under the mercy of the Lord that causes you to want to please him. You're not earning anything. He gives you his righteousness as a gift. For others, he says he wants you to give mercy. It totally transforms your heart when you really receive the mercy of the Lord. I encourage you to receive the mercy of the Lord today. And he says, if you receive my mercy, you must also give mercy. Lord, make us to be the mercy givers you've called us to be. This day. And lastly, let me close with Romans 2 at 26 through 29. Again, you could read the whole chapter 2 of Romans and uh, see how it ties in with uh, the story of Rahab the harlot. But uh, just the snippet Romans 2, 26 through 29. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he was physically uncircumcised if he keeps the law. Will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. 
I've got two questions as I close. Have you taken hold of the scarlet cord? Have you come under the blood of Christ? And have you received the spirit of the living God? Moses prophesied that the Israelites would fail under the law of Moses. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 26.30. He prophesied that the Jewish people would be scattered all over the world. But he also prophesied in Deuteronomy 26-30 through 30 that one day there would be a circumcision of the heart. Oh, it's by the Spirit, not by the letter of the law. Have you received the Holy Spirit of God? Apart from him, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Receive his spirit today. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit today so that we can walk in your goodness, your righteousness, your mercy, and your love. May we walk today in such a way that we would bring you, Father, all the praise and glory and honor that is due your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's children said, Amen. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver